For marketing agencies and social media managers looking to prove the value of their work, I've got something special for you. Agora Pulse is not only Social Media Examiner's tool of choice as an all-in-one social media management tool, it also allows you to track the traffic, conversion, and revenue from every social post, comment, and private message. Learn how to prove your social media ROI with a free training or a free trial by visiting agorapulse.com SME today. Again, agorapulse.com SME. Welcome to the Social Media Marketing Podcast, helping you navigate the social media jungle. And now, here is your host, Michael Stelzner. Hello, hello, hello. Thank you so much for joining me for the Social Media Marketing Podcast, brought to you by Social Media Examiner. I'm your host, Michael Stelzner, and this is the podcast for marketers and business owners who want to know what works with social media. Today, I'm going to be joined by Jeff Oxford, and we're going to talk about something we don't normally talk about on this show. We're going to talk about how to rank in Google search. We're going to talk about search engine optimization. It's the first time I've ever talked about this in over 10 years. And I got to tell you, this is solid freaking gold. By the way, I'm at Stelzner on Instagram and at Mike underscore Stelzner on Twitter. And if you're new to this podcast, be sure to follow this show so you don't miss any of our future content. Let's transition over to this week's interview with Jeff Oxford. Helping you to simplify your social safari. Here is this week's expert guide. Today, I'm very excited to be joined by Jeff Oxford. If you don't know who he is, he's an SEO expert. He's CEO of 180 Marketing, a search engine optimization agency focused on helping e-commerce businesses drive more organic search traffic. Jeff, how are you doing today? Welcome to the show. Doing good, Mike. We're glad to be here. I'm super excited you're here, Jeff. Today, we're going to explore how to rank in Google search using SEO. And before we do, Let's get a little bit of your backstory. Like how in the world did you get into marketing and search engine optimization? I would love to hear that story. So it's kind of funny, actually. I fell into the family business without meaning to. So my dad had a marketing, advertising, doing lots of branding, logos, brochures, all the traditional stuff. Even his dad did like old things with like typography and letterhead. And I thought, you know, I don't want to do what my dad does. I want to go my own way. But around, you know, when I was in high school and college, you know, this SEO thing and you know marketing was shifting towards web and you know he he had the capabilities to make websites but he didn't have the passion or really care to learn about this SEO stuff that everyone's starting to talk about so he said hey Jeff I know you're playing video games at your computer anyway I know you're pretty technical can you go figure this SEO thing out and then you know maybe do it for my clients so that's how it initially started it was just like me going online reading resources trying things out how long ago was that just out of curiosity gosh this would have been back in like 2009 okay cool keep going so just trying to trying to help them out and something about it just clicked in my brain it was like it's like almost like a video game where i know if i do xyz i can see my score at the end of it and in seo your scores your rankings like how do you compare versus the people you're playing up playing against so it just really resonated with me and i've been hooked ever since so bring us up to the present now like talk about what you do who you're serving just give us a little bit of that story because it's fascinating to hear that you started as like you know working for dad and as a gamer and starting to figure out that but somewhere along the line you decided to start a business right so Tell us about that and kind of bring us up to the present with the story. So I, you know, I, I started learning about SEO, helped my dad out, like I mentioned. And then I realized there's people making a lot of money online with passive income. There's, you know, the big thing is Google AdWords and AdSense and how you can create a blog, you put some ads on it. 
and there's people making some good money. So here I am in college looking for ways to get some passive income. Uh, so my roommate and I, we started a blog. It was a fantasy baseball blog. I didn't know anything about fantasy baseball. I just knew about the technical stuff and how to make a website, how to do SEO. I led all the content writing to him. And you know, within a few months, we're able to make a pretty successful blog that I think was getting over 10,000 visitors from like when we started three months later, it was hitting like 10,000 a month just from SEO. But AdSense doesn't have the, it doesn't pay the most. So across all those 10,000 visitors, we only got like a hundred bucks that we had to split 50-50. So I'm like, okay, this this model isn't as, as lucrative as I, I was hoping. And so I found like, oh, there's people that are drop shipping products and you know, you're know you going to get way more bang for your buck and way more revenue per visitor if, if I go into drop shipping. So I, I taught myself how to set up an e-commerce site. I used OpenCart, which is a free e-commerce platform at, back in the day. And here I am, you know, a college student looking for some extra money. And I'm trying to think like, okay, what's what kind of product should I sell? What's something that you can't easily get local? Like you can't just go to the store and buy it. And there's a popular drinking game called beer pong. So I decided I was going to sell beer pong tables. So that was my first step into the, the e-commerce world. I had a website called Beer Pong Stadium. I don't think it's up anymore. I sold it eventually. Yeah, I, we drop ship beer pong tables and we were ranking top three for pretty much every beer pong keyword you could think of. So, okay. But somewhere along the line, you're like, okay, uh, I think I can make a business out of this. So tell us about that story. So the, the you know, here I am doing consulting. So there's a key event that happened that made me say like, okay, enough with this passive income, you know, side projects. Let me just go all in on the, the SEO side. And what that moment was is my next e-commerce. So I sold the beer pong site, got a little, got some extra money from it, and I went into 3D printers. So I was drop shipping 3D printers. Each of these would cost about three thousand dollars, and you know, higher margins. I thought it'd be, you know, it's still like lots of people were searching for it, not much competition. So I thought I was in the golden industry. First month, I made about 30000 in revenue, but don't get too excited because I found out that almost all those purchases were done fraudulently with stolen credit cards. Oh, no. So the next month, after I had paid all the manufacturers, all, after I had, all the product had been shipped, all those sales were just taken out of my account. And here I am at like age 24, and it just it, it completely bankrupt me. It took me, you know, took me into the negative. So... I realized in that moment, it's like, you know what? Like, I really enjoy this SEO thing. I love working, doing SEO for e-commerce sites and SEO in general, but I don't know if I really want to like learn everything there is to have a fully established e-commerce business and learn about fraud prote protection, operations, customer service. So it was that moment, that really heavy hit <laughs> to my bank account where I'm like, I'm just going to do SEO. And that's when I started 180 Marketing. So this was back in uh, 2013. Okay. And tell us, kind of bring us up to the present. What is 180 Marketing doing today? Now, like almost 10 years later. Yeah. So we, we're, we're coming up on our, our 10 year mark. So it's, it's pretty exciting. Um, but what what we do is we we do e-commerce. We do e-commerce SEO is our specialty. But here's the thing. If you can do SEO for an e-commerce site, you can do it for pretty much any site. You know, e-commerce sites just happen to have a few more nuances and challenges and technical issues, mostly because they're usually going to be larger. Like you can deal with an e-commerce site that has thousands of, of products, lots of category pages. There's more moving parts, which can open up for more technical issues. But a lot of e-commerce sites also have blogs. So, you know, the types of SEO we do also works very easily on a simple content site. So I found you because Steve Chu from My Wife Quit Her Job and you had worked together and I'd heard you on his podcast. You ended up doing some work for us at Social Media Examiner and ultimately did some training for us inside our society. 
and we were super impressed with you. And I thought to myself, well, let's get Jeff on this podcast because the fact of the matter is that lots of people that are listening to this show don't just do social marketing. But there are some people that are like, SEO, search engine optimization, why? So let's address the skeptics. Like why, as we're recording this in late 2022 and publishing this almost in 2023, is search engine optimization still very important today? Like right now, as of today, SEO is still one of the largest traffic sources on the web. I mean, you have social referral traffic, email, like there's so many ways to get traffic to your website, affiliate, whatever it might be. Still, people going to search engines, mainly Google. Google has like 98 to 97% market share. Search engines is still like the number one traffic source. So if you're neglecting SEO, you're leaving a huge piece of the, the online marketing pie on the table and not taking advantage of all this traffic that you could be getting. And, you know, SEO doesn't just have to be for like e-commerce products, right? It can be for your sales pages for whatever you're selling, like your events or your, like in our case, or it could be for your blog posts in our case. I mean, any written content that you want to rank number one on, you can follow what we're going to be talking about today and you could drive a lot of traffic. And one of the key things that I think the reason why social marketers need to pay attention to this is because on the social platforms, it's getting harder and harder to get organic traffic off of the social platforms directly to your website. As a matter of fact, it's almost impossible because Facebook, LinkedIn, dot, 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 fill in the blank, Instagram, they make it very, very hard for you to drive traffic to your website. And when you post those posts on the social platforms, if you can drive traffic, it's going to be for a very limited window. We're talking about, if you're lucky, a day. The benefit, I think, of possibly ranking in search is that you can bring traffic over and over and over and over again. And you also have search intent. Why don't you talk about that a little bit? Because that's a that's a unique advantage, right? Like when you see something posted in the social platforms, you're interrupting people. But when they're actually searching for it, explain why that's so important. That's exactly it. If you can look at a keyword and by analyzing that keyword, you can get a rough idea of what's that person searching for. So if someone searches best gaming laptop, it's pretty clear that they're a gamer. They, they want to purchase a laptop and they're looking for, they're doing some research to see what are the best laptops out there. So we know what that person's searching for. We know how likely they are to, to search. Now, compare that with someone searching, what is a gaming laptop? Well, it's pretty clear they're not in the market. To, if they don't even know what it is, they're probably not in the market to purchase. So we can kind of look at the keywords to see what's this person likely going to be purchased. Like, where, where are they in the buying customer journey buying cycle? Are they in the awareness stage? Are they in the research stage? Do they have their credit card in hand and are they ready to pull the trigger? That's one advantage that comes with just search engine marketing is you get a lot more insights where, you know, if you look at referral traffic from like Facebook, Instagram, some of these social media networks, typically the conversion rates are going to be lower on average, just because you might still have those people that are looking to make a purchase, but you're also going to have a lot of people that might not be in the market for what you have to offer, what you're selling. Yeah. And, you know, we recently had Brett Curry on the show and he's talking about Google Performance Max, which is Google's solution to make it really easy to drive traffic to your website across all of Google's properties. This is kind of like exploring the organic side of it, right? Which is, wouldn't it be awesome if with the right techniques, you never had to pay any extra money and you could just have that traffic coming as long as you are able to rank. And I think that's a huge reason for a lot of people to listen to what we're going to talk about today. 
So let's transition into introducing what your strategy is for ranking inside of search. Yeah. So, you know, we've, or I, I've been doing this for 10 years with 180 Marketing and you know, we try to be as data focused as possible. So whenever we have a successful campaign, we ask ourselves, why was this successful? Whenever we have a campaign that doesn't meet our expectations, we say, what was wrong with it? What could we do better? And from this kind of constant process of evaluating over, over a decade now, we've come up with a, almost like a formula, like a repeatable process on how we can consistently increase rankings, drive traffic uh, for our clients. So we call it the 180 playbook. I'm sure there's lots of different ways to do SEO and people have their own approaches, but this kind of takes a lot of what's out there, simplifies it and puts it to like a start to finish linear process that works really well. And it's something that we've had a lot of success with for, for our clients over the years. So if people follow this, and we're going to break it down here in the next few minutes, but if people follow this formula that we're going to talk about this 180 playbook, what could they achieve? Like maybe you have a quick example of someone that you could talk about. I know this isn't what we originally prepared for, but like, what's the upside to something like this? I'll give you an example. So you mentioned Steve Chu. We, yep. we did some work for his site and his traffic has more, you know, he's already a very established content site, but his search traffic's more than doubled since we started working together. He also had another website, bumblebeelinens.com. We were able to quadruple their his search traffic in just six months. Wow. Uh, so that was a pretty remarkable case study. So it's true. SEO typically is a more long-term a marketing channel. If you're doing like paid social or paid search, like, you know, you snap your fingers within a week or two, you're going to know how effective it is. Where SEO, you're looking at more like a you know, longer time frame. But, it, you know, we've, we've kind of found what some of the shortcuts are to get your results faster. You know, it doesn't have to take a year or two. You know, sometimes you can get some really good results in just three to six months. Awesome. Okay. Let's start talking about the very first stage or the first element of your 180 playbook. Where do we need to start? What do we need to know? So before you start kind of really diving into SEO, you've got to make sure you have a good foundation in place. And that's where technical SEO comes in. So the very first part of what we do for websites, we evaluate the site's technical SEO. Now, technical SEO can be as, uh, you know, kind of service level or go as deep into like server settings, code and all this stuff. But it, I'm going to kind of give you the, the summarized short version. So when, in the world of technical SEO, you want to make sure that your pages load quickly. You want to make sure that you don't have slow load time. So you know, Google rarely announces whether or not something's a ranking factor, but they've specifically said site speed is a ranking factor. So make sure that you have you know, quick load time, you know, content delivery network, caching, whatever you can do to speed up your site. Let's pause on that for a second. There's a lot of people listening right now that might use WordPress, for example, right? Because there's almost like 43% of the world is built on WordPress, right? And some people have WooCommerce who are selling products on WordPress. So let's talk about like, you know, CDN for people that don't know what that is, it's called a content delivery network, right? And it allows your pages to be distributed all over the world, right? So it loads a lot faster where everybody else is. But you also mentioned caching. Is there any particular things we need to be thinking about for those of us that are using WordPress that can help speed up the website? So if you're on WordPress, there's a great plugin that does a lot of this for you. Uh, and there's a lot of them, but the one I recommend is W3 Total Cache. It, it handles your, your com compression. It handles your caching. You know, without getting too far in the weeds, all, if you can just remember W3 t Total Cache and, and look it up and install it, it's going to handle all sort of the, the, the more complicated technical stuff for you. Make sure your, site, your site's blazing fast. Now, why is it that this is so important? So Google's goal is to give people the best search experience possible. They want people to search a keyword, click on the ideally the first 
an only listing, see what they need, and they're happy with it. If Google notices people visit a page and they're not happy with it and they hit the back button, they keep hitting the back button, they're not finding what they want, that's an indicator to Google that they're not doing a very good job in providing a good experience for their searcher. So Google wants to make sure the page you're, you're landing at not only answers your question, provides a good user experience, but they also want to make sure that it's it's not going to slow down, it's not going to you know time out, there won't be issues with it because you know here we are in 2022 people have short attention spans you know i'm sure we've all been on a page that's loading it's taking too long we hit the back button google really doesn't want to rank those kind of pages just a couple of resources that i've used uh i've used this great thing called gt metrics which is like metric with the x on the end instead of cs what i love about that tool is it allows you to just like make a change run a test instantly and then see whether it made a difference google also has their own page speed tool. I don't actually know how to find it. Do you know how we Google page speed insights, Google page speed insights? Yeah. And what Google will tell you is the mobile versus desktop experience. And it's really hard to get it really fast on mobile, isn't it? Right. So they're very hard graders. <laughs> yeah. So is your advice, try to get it as good as you can, but don't like go nuts over trying to make it perfect by Google standards. That's exactly it. Google's a really hard grader. You know, there, I'll put it this way. There's plenty of sites that rank extremely well. And they have, you know, medium to poor scores on Google Page Speed Insights. So don't think just because the, the color's not green that your site's not fast enough. Google Page Speed Insights will give you some great tips and actual recommendations on what to do. But if you want the true test, open up an incognito tab in Chrome, run your site, and just look at it and be like, is this sufficient or is it too slow? That's the ultimate test because that's what users are going to be seeing. Okay, so we've talked about page speed. What else do we need to be thinking about when it comes to technical SEO? A, a big thing at technical SEO is just duplicate content issues. So basically what that means is if you have an article, don't copy your article multiple times. You know, sometimes content management systems will do this on accident. Make sure you have like one URL for every piece of content. Again, for content sites, it won't be that big of an issue. But you know, an example of a, a duplicate content issue is let's say you have a a category. Let's say you have, um, an, we'll stick with the, the example of gaming laptops. Let's say you have a category page. It shows all these gaming laptops that someone could purchase. And then you go to filter the page alphabetically. You filter it again by uh, highest price. And then you sort it. You know, There's all this filtering that you can do. For a lot of e-commerce platforms, every time you modify that page, it's generating a new URL and a new URL. And Google thinks it's like, okay, it's another page. It's another page. It's another page. When in reality, it's the same page with just different URLs. So you want to make sure your, your pages like that are set up properly where Google's not indexing multiple URLs for the same page. You end up with a situation where all this content's competing with each other. Google's not quite sure which page to rank. So as a result, none of the pages rank nearly as good as they could. Some people right now might be thinking, well, we've made copies of the page and slightly altered the headline to try to rank in SEO. Is that not wise? Do you recommend we avoid that? It, so it, it used to work really well. Like, you know, you go back five years, like you could get pretty far with that. It's becoming harder and harder now. So I'd, I'd be you know, somewhat surprised if that's still working really well, if the content's like mostly identical. But let's say it's still working. I mean, there's kind of two ways to approach this. You could, you could say, hey, I, it's ranking well. If it's not broken, don't fix it. Fine. You know, there's an argument there. On the other side, it could be like, well, do we want to be more future proof? Like, what, when's the next Google update coming? A, a lot of people have been you know, slapped on the hand by Google a few times. And, and kind of once you get your hand slapped, you, you don't want to experience that pain again. So you play it safe. So I think you can make an argument either way. 
if you have a business that's driving significant amounts of traffic and revenue, I always recommend taking the safer, more future-proof approach because we've seen Google Updates take websites down by 20, 30, 40, sometimes 70 or 80% traffic, depending on how severe the issue is. Okay, so the first part of the 180 playbook the first of four parts, I believe, is the technical SEO. Let's explore the second part of your strategy. What do we need to do next? What do we need to explore next? So once you, you know, let's say your site's free of any technical issues, everything's looking good. The next step's going to be going to content. So you, you want to make sure you have the right content you need to target all the necessary keywords. So this is where keyword research is very important. You kind of want to determine which pages do you need. So if I'm if I'm a laptop dropshipping site, if I sell laptops online, like if I, I could do keyword research and I could see, oh, look, there's people searching laptops for gamers or laptops for students or laptops for programmers, you know, whatever that might be. I want to make sure I have a page for each of those. So, you know, step one is do your keyword research, see what people are searching for. And you, know, you can see the search volumes. There's lots of great data you can get with some keywords research tools out there. And then once you've kind of found those pages, you want to build them on your website. So there's thousands of people searching for gaming laptops. So I would definitely want to make sure I have a page like that on the site. So kind of the, the first part of the content bucket would be identify what your customers and your audience is searching for and make sure you have that content on your site. Okay. So when you say content, let's just clarify what this means. This might be an article or is this like a page uh, with a product on it or both? Yeah, great question. So it could be either. It, you know, it really depends on what the keyword is and kind of a kind of a little hint or a little hack you can do here is whatever, let, let's say we did our research and we said, okay, look, there's a lot of people searching for you know, gaming laptops. Do we create a category page for gaming with all of our gaming laptops or do we create a, a blog post, more of like a listicle roundup of the best gaming laptops for 2022? The answer lies in Google search results. Take that keyword, search into Google, see what kind of pages are ranking on page one. Is it mostly going to be category pages? Is it mostly going to be blog posts? Whatever is dominating on page one, that's the type of page that you should create. So my guess is you'll probably see, some, you know, it could, it could be more of a category page, but we do see Google starting to favor content more and more. So I wouldn't be surprised if it's mostly going to be these you know, best gaming laptops of 2022 type posts. AI has been a massive disruptive force over the past year. That's why we're excited to announce our brand new show, Introducing AI Explored. It's a weekly show hosted by me, Michael Stelzner. If you want to understand how to put AI to work, this is the show for you. Each week, we'll dive deep into using AI to your advantage. We're talking the practical, tactical stuff that I know you're probably craving. Search for AI Explored on your favorite podcast app and happy listening. Okay. You mentioned that there's some tools that you use or recommend that people use. Tell us about the, what tools do you recommend to go out there and, and, and what are we looking for with these tools when we're using these tools? So I'll, I'll give you the free approach. If you're just trying to, you know, you don't want to jump head in. You just kind of want to play around. Neil Patel actually has a really great tool called Uber suggest. It, you know, it has a free version, a paid version, but you can actually get pretty far with just the free version. You can enter your keywords, you can see search volumes, and you can kind of refine your keyword search. What are we looking for when we're using a tool like that? We, we want to find keywords that are relevant and have high search volume. So, you know, you know relevant, have high search intent. So if I'm going back to this example of uh, a, a laptop uh, dropshipper, 
I want to find keywords where I think someone's likely to purchase. So, you know, I want to find those, those I'm, I'm looking for gaming laptops, laptops for students, you know, all, all these different variations where I'm, I'm, it's pretty, I'm pretty confident that they're looking to purchase a laptop or they're researching what laptop to get. At least starting out, I'd probably stay away from like, what is a laptop? What are the parts of the laptop? Like they, that doesn't tell me that they're really interested in purchasing just yet. You know, those types of pages can have other benefits, which we can talk about later. But, you know, if you want the best bang for your buck and you want kind of the more short-term approach with SEO and results, it's best to focus on keywords that have a, a high search intent that matches whatever you're offering. So if, you, if you're a lawyer and you're, you know, lead gen, you know, same, same thing, look for people searching for like, you know, best personal injury lawyer, anything that gives you a sign that they're looking to hire your, your services or they're researching for your types of services. Okay. So you su- suggested Uber suggest on the free tool. What's the paid tool that you would recommend? Paid tool would be either Hrefs, that's A-H-R-E-F-S.com or SEMrush, S-E-M-R-U-S-H.com. Both tools are, are pretty comparable. My personal favorite is Hrefs. You know, it, it, it has pretty much everything. It has a really good keyword tool where you can you know, see the keyword difficulty. You can see like related keywords. You can pu- plug in a competitor and see every single keyword a competitor is ranking for. So it gives you a lot more data. I think they have a free version too, because they were a sponsor of this show. And I think they have a free version that's got quite a bit of stuff built into it as well. They they do have their Ahrefs webmaster tools, which I, I if you're if you're looking to start, you know, just dabbling in SEO, highly recommend it. It's completely free. You basically connect, you kind of log in and verify it with Google Search Console. And then what it's going to do is going to Ahrefs will share all the data they have on your site with you. So you can see every keyword your site's ranking for. You can see every single backlink going to your site. You can track your rankings. You can, it'll give you some even free audits. So it's a, if you're looking for the 80-20 on like, how do you get the most SEO value with the least expenses or time? I'd say Ahrefs Webmaster Tools would be the first thing to do. Now, there are plenty of people that want to try to rank for very popular content. And the struggle is that they're they're never going to rank because they've got really sophisticated people they're, they're competing against, right? Like we deal with this at Social Media Examiner. We're up against these software companies that are just constantly, you know, updating their articles and making the content absolutely amazing. So do you recommend if you're just getting started not to go for the ones that have the most I mean, you probably ought to look at the search results. And if the content is amazing and you can't outdo that content, you might want to pick something that's less searched. Is that fair? So you're totally right. Most of the time, uh, the high, highly searched keywords are more competitive because more people are going after them. And you have what's called like a long tail keyword or you know, a more, it might be more specific. So for example, you know, the keyword laptops, it's probably getting searched tens of thousands of times a month. Super competitive. Good luck ranking for it. You can go a little less, a little more long tail or less competitive, like you know, laptops for gamers, or then you can go even more like PC laptops for gamers or Intel PC laptop. The the, long, the more specific you get, typically the less competitive it's going to be. So that's that's generally true. However, there's always going to be exceptions. There might be some keywords that competitors just overlook for whatever reason that have high search volume and aren't too competitive. So you really need a tool like SEM Rush or Hrefs. I mean, again, Hrefs is my my favorite, and I'd recommend that one. Just to they'll they'll have they have a metric to set to address what you mentioned, Mike, which is just going to be how competitive is this keyword? What's the keyword difficulty, and how likely are you to rank for it? What about the content itself ought we keep in mind because it's not just any content that will work, right? Yeah. So it's. <laughs> The number one answer is you want to solve the searcher's user intent. Like, why did why did they search that keyword? What are they looking for? And how do you give them what they're looking for better than anyone else? If you can do what I just said, 
you will rank very well and you'll outrank most of your competitors. Like that's the most fundamental thing. Like sure, it's important to avoid duplicate content issues and have good technical SEO and site speed and some other things we're going to talk about. But what SEO really comes down to, if you if you just simplify it, it's giving people what they're looking for better than anyone else. And if you can do that, Google's going to reward you and you're going to rank really well. So if it's a, a category, uh, we'll start with content. That's probably going to be most simple. So if it's a blog post, whatever someone's looking for, you want to solve their, their search intent at the very beginning. Let's say someone's searching for like a recipe. Uh, I, maybe we've all searched for recipes where you have to scroll so far down past all the story about how they made this with their grandmother and, and all the things. And finally, you find the recipe. So that doesn't always work the best. What works the best is Whatever they're looking for, give it to them at, at the right front and center and then expand on it below, whatever it m- might be, whether it's a recipe, whether it's a how-to article. Okay, this is fascinating because I'm starting to notice with some of the bigger publications that are running news articles, they use bullet lists at the top and say exactly what it is and then they have all the content below. You would think that would hurt because people will leave the page very quickly, right? But why does that help with SEO? So this is very fascinating because we've always heard that if someone clicks on your site, and hits the back button, or if you have a high bounce rate, like how are you supposed to rank well if you have a high bounce rate? People are leaving your site and gates and that and floods, and that must be a, a good signal to Google that you don't deserve to rank there. Well, here's the thing: Google's not concerned about people bouncing off your page. They're concerned about people bouncing off your page and then clicking on another listing. So, if for example, if I was searching how tall is Michael Jordan, and I click on a page and it says Michael Jordan is you know six foot whatever. I don't have a need to click on any other pages. I'm probably going to bounce. I won't go to any other page. I got my, my question has been answered. So that was a successful search for me. It, however, if, if Google sees I click on a page, I hit the back button, I click somewhere else and I stay there, that is an extremely strong ranking signal that the first site should be ranking lower and the second site should be ranking higher. Okay, that's really, really fascinating. So what I'm hearing you say is if you can give away the answer early, and still have more rich content for people that want to go deeper, Google's going to track to see whether or not they go back to the search page and click on the next one. But if they don't, and they go on to some of the thing, they're going to take that as a fulfillment of the mission of the search query, and they're going to credit that to you. And what I'm hearing you say is you'll make it up in volume, right? You'll get a lot more people because Google will rank you higher on the page. And as a result, you will get tons of traffic. Some of it will go deeper and ultimately convert into what you want. Fascinating. There's so much more that I could ask here, but I know we got to go on to the next one. So let's talk about the third part of the process here. Yeah. So let's say, so kind of just quick recap. Note, you fix the technical issues. You figured out what your people, what your customers or audience is searching for. You created those pages. You made sure those pages solve for the intent that you have enough content on the page to fully answer whatever they're looking for. You have a really comprehensive page with, you know, images, multimedia, it's formatted. You have, you know, it's broken up with headings and subheadings and just looks really good. Okay, now you're ready to move to the third stage, which is page optimization. So we've identified the keyword gaming laptops. Let's say that's what we want to rank for. So we'll start with what's called the metadata. There's something called the title tag. So if ever, if you use Chrome, whatever you see in the browser tab, that's pulling from what's called the title tag. It lives in the source code of the page. It's also, if you search a keyword into Google, you have those 10 links on page one and each one has a little header that's also pulling the title tag. So it lives in the source code, 
shows up in your Chrome tab, shows up on Google search results. And this is one of the most important ranking factors in Google. So if you want to rank for gaming laptops, you're going to want to put that keyword front and center intact exactly at the beginning of your title tag. So the title tag is not the title or it is the title? I want to make one distinction between title tags and header tags. Okay. If, if I visit a page, there's going to be that, you know, that, that heading at the very top of the page that says, you know, best gaming laptops. Right. That is the header tag, also known as an H1 tag. Okay. And you can have kind of subheadings and whatnot. So that's headings. And then what, what I call it title tag or meta title or uh, SEO title. That's what is lives in the source code and doesn't have to be displayed on the page. It can, but like it's going to be the, the browser tab. It's going to be what shows up in search results. So there's two different things. The SEO meta title tag and the H1 heading tag that's shown on the page. Okay, so I what I hear you saying is the actual title tag, which is hidden in the source code, right? That needs to be starting with whatever the search phrase is that you're trying to rank for. Is whatever you're trying to rank for. And can you put more than one thing in the title tag? You can do like two. Uh, you know, I recommend probably don't want to go past two because it's just going to look too keyword focused. Like it, maybe we all remember the days where it's like gaming laptops and then the pipes and then like best gaming laptops and the pipes and the buy game like. That doesn't really work any well. And kind of, kind of going back to what we talking before with like how users engage with your website, uh, click-through rate in the search results is an extremely important ranking factor. If, if you have a really captivating title tag in, in MetaScription, which we'll talk about in a little bit, we have a really captivating title tag. Uh, like you, know, you see you know, best gaming laptops for 2022 for every budget. And it just it really resonates with the searcher. If Google sees more people are clicking on that page, versus the competitors, that alone can help you rank. In fact, there's been some, some case studies where, uh, you know, Rand Fishkin, who's a very prominent SEO, would, would speak in front of thousands of people and say, okay, everyone take out your phone. We're going to search this keyword and click on this listing. And people would do it. And by the end of the seminar, the listing they all clicked on would move up towards the top of the search results. Okay. So just to be crystal clear, the title tag shows up in search, not your H1 tag, right? Correct. That's an important distinction, right? So you can have a very different H1 tag, which is the, for lack of better words, blog post title, then you do the title tag. And a lot of people probably make them the same. And that's not necessarily wise. Is that what I'm hearing you say? Mostly. So like you should keep them the same, like the okay. easiest route is to make it the same, uh, at least for, for content. Like for, if you have a blog post, best practice, just keep it the same. Uh, for if you're an e-commerce site, maybe you have a category page, maybe your category page heading is something like best gaming laptops as low as $4.99. You might you might not want to have that on your actual paid category page itself. Okay, you might just have like gaming laptop. A couple of clarifying questions. This is the copywriter in me that wants to ask this question. Sometimes you can put the word first and then a colon and then a catchy headline. Like for example, search engine optimization colon how to rank on Google, right? Or you could say how to rank on Google colon search engine optimization. If you're trying to rank for search engine optimization, my gut tells me that you put that first. Is that correct? That's see, your, your approach is perfect. I, I use colons too. I love the approach. So like if I'm if I'm trying to rank for um, like how to make a TikTok or like you know how to how to create a TikTok video at the very beginning of my blog post, I'm going to put how to create a TikTok video colon ultimate guide, definitive guide, step by step tutorial, whatever it might be. So a good title tag has the keyword front and center intact. And then add whatever you want afterwards to make it captivating and compelling. Yeah. And if you really, really, really don't like the way it displays on the screen, then that's where you could change your H1 headline to actually be a little more compelling, right? 
that's exactly it. Okay, perfect. So outside of title tags, and what else do we need to be thinking about with the page optimization stuff? We talked about title tags. We talked about header tags. Then there's what's called a meta description. So if you search a keyword in Google, you have the, the name of the page, and then there's those two lines of black text underneath it that describes the page. Now, most people in the SEO world kind of gloss over it. They don't really spend too much time on it. And part of that is because it's not a direct ranking factor. You could put your keyword in your meta description a bunch of times or not at all, won't make any difference. But where it can have a really big impact is on click-through rate. So if anyone who's listening, if you've run paid ads before or even with pay, you know paid social ads, for example, you've probably seen firsthand how really well-written copy can have a huge impact on your click-through rates and your traffic. Same thing applies to SEO. Meta descriptions are basically the ad copy for SEO. So even though it's not a direct ranking factor, if you have really compelling copy, you can get more people clicking on your listing versus your competitors and drive more traffic. Yeah, and you know this is copywriting one-on-one, but maybe what they will achieve by clicking, right? Like discover how blank, right? Or you know something along those lines, fulfilling the promise of the headline, I would imagine is important in the meta description, right? Yeah, you can tease, it, tease the problem, agitate the problem a little bit, preview the solution, just do whatever you need to do to, to get them to be like, okay, I need to click this to, to figure out how do I solve this problem. Earlier, you said we mentioned header tags, but I don't know if we did mention header tags. Is header tags the same as the H1 tag or is it something totally different? Exact same thing. Okay. So what about rich snippets? Talk to me about that. So rich snippets, again, if, if you search a keyword, maybe you're searching for products and underneath some of the, maybe you see an Amazon, it has like the, the star rating, the price, the manufacturer. Maybe you're looking for recipes and it says like, you know, how long it takes to like the, the star rating for the recipe, how long it takes to make it, what ingredients. Th those are called rich snippets. It's just extra little snippet of, of content that goes in the search result to give you more information about the page. If you have an e-commerce site, this is extremely important to put on product pages where you know it, it tells search engines what your product pages are about. If you have a, a recipe site, you want to have the recipe markup. If you have a a blog, they even have one for how-to pages that will kind of break it down step-by-step step to give you more real estate in the search results. You know, how you implement it, it's a little more technical and nuanced, so I always recommend looking for a plugin. You know, like Yoast SEO, if you're on WordPress, is a really good plugin to kind of help you get started with some of these rich snippets, so that's probably the best place to start. You know, and then one of the benefits of getting this type of thing set up is it might not have a, it's not like having this markup is going to necessarily give you better rankings, but if you're ranking number three, but you're the only listing that has these star ratings or whatever and stands out, it's very eye-catching. You're going to get a lot more clicks. And not only will that drive more traffic, but as Google sees you're getting more clicks than the sites around you, they're going to slowly move you up in the search results. And that can have an impact on rankings. Okay, so just to clarify, is rich snippets the thing where they show a section of your content at the very top above everybody else, or is that something totally different? Do you understand what I'm asking? That's called the featured snippet. Okay, so can a rich snippet become a featured snippet? And if it can't, describe what a rich snippet displays. Does it display more information in the search results, or what? So yeah, so I'll make a. So what we were just talking about was rich snippets. That's you know you have a site ranking, and there's that little line underneath it. Maybe it's the star rating of a product. Maybe it's the ingredients and instructions for a recipe. Maybe it's the date and time for an event. Whatever it might be, featured snippets is where Google tries to answer a question for you without you having to click. So if I were to search, you know, how tall is Michael Jordan? Chances are there's going to be a little, you know, two sentences, you know, Michael Jordan played for this team. He is six foot seven or whatever, however tall he is. And it's going to bold the part that I'm looking for. So that's featured snippets. Featured snippets is Google trying to answer 
the question for you to save you time so you don't have to click website to website. But you can't, they choose you. It's not like you can. Yeah, you don't specify that. They choose. Now there's ways we can influence it and we can get into that if you'd like. But yes, Google chooses it and there's no markup we can do to get that. How can you influence it? Of course, everybody wants me to ask. (laughs) So the the best way to, like if I wanted to, is there any, okay, let's say how to make a TikTok. Okay. Like uh, what I would, if I wanted to get the featured snippet, I'd have a page all about, making TikToks, I'd have a heading. So, you know, it could be an H2 tag or an H3 tag, but I'd have some heading that says how to make a TikTok. And then immediately the very next character word sentence is going to answer that question in a very concise way. So it would say like, like there's three steps to make a TikTok colon, and then like use a list item, like one film, like come up with your storyboard or whatever the two film your video, three upload it. You you don't want to add any fluff. You don't want to tell any stories. If we're, if we're purely playing the, the game of getting featured snippets, you just want to have a question, answer it immediately as concisely and thoroughly as you can, and then expand on it. So obviously like... Um, okay, quick question. Can, can, can you put that at the end of the article or does it have to be at the top of the article? It's more likely to be triggered if it's towards the top of the article. Got it. It's still possible at the bottom, but there's kind of more prompt. There's a prominence factor. And my guess is this is probably why these publishers are doing what we were talking about earlier with these bullet points on news items when you see it, right? Because they're trying to become the featured snippet inside the news search, right? They're trying to become the featured snippet. And also they're trying to solve user intent right away. Like they want to give someone what they're looking for. So yeah, and the, the, the creating that question answer connection is really helpful. So again, have your question in the form of a subheading and then right away answer it very concisely and have a concise answer. So many questions have nuances. So whatever nuances there are, explain after your concise answer. Okay, we're talking about the 180 playbook. We started with technical SEO, then we went into content and then we went into page optimization. Now, what's the next step? So the, the last portion of this, which is one of the most important, is link building. The strongest ranking factor, or one of the strongest ranking factors in Google is how many other websites are linking to you. Think of it like votes of trust. If a website's linking to you, there must be a reason for it. You must be really awesome. You must have some brand recognition. You must have something good. Whatever it might be, there's a reason on another site and included a backlink from their site to your site. So just to clarify, if I have a website, I add a a whole bunch of links to all my pages, that's not really what we're talking about. That's an internal link. We're talking about external backlinks. This is other websites that you don't control linking to you. So Google, you know, like I said, they're very kind of hush-hush about what their ranking factors are, but they've, they've even confirmed that backlinks is one of the top three ranking factors that they look at. So we know that this is something, and we see it time and time again. Anytime there's like correlation studies done, we see that having the sites that rank the best are the ones that have more backlinks. For those of you listening that might kind of have some experience with SEO and hear hear the term like authority or domain rating or domain authority. Do we mean backlinks to any page on the site or do we mean backlinks to the specific page in question that we're trying to get optimized? So there's kind of two two impacts to this. So for example, Amazon.com ranks for pretty much everything. They could have a page with zero backlinks, but they're going to rank so well because their domain as a whole has gathered so many backlinks that they might not need backlinks to this one specific niche product. Got it. But because the product's sitting on it, it's still going to rank well. But maybe you have a Shopify site and maybe you're not, you know, no, I mean, if you have a Shopify site, you're not even in the same ballpark as uh, someone like Amazon. You, it's still very possible to outrank Amazon by building backlinks directly to your page. So if I have my Shopify dropshipping site, I'm selling my gaming laptops. I want to rank for gaming laptops. 
I want to build as many backlinks to my gaming laptops page as possible. And if I do that, I can still outrank Amazon, even though they're just behemoth with a very authoritative domain. Okay. When we were preparing for this, a couple of ideas that came up with is blogger outreach, guest posting on other blogs that have a high authority, product review outreach, scholarships, giveaways, and content marketing. We only have time for one. So I want you to pick one of these that, and, and let's just talk about this for a minute that you think is is valuable that maybe anybody could consider doing. I'll give, it's kind of one quick one that someone can do now that we can dive into one in more detail. So quick and dirty one, it's called Haro Help a Reporter. You can go to helpareporter.com. Help a reporter out, yeah. It's free, you sign up and basically you kind of, you just pick which niche you're in and you're going to get p- journalist pitches straight to your inbox that you can respond to. So this is a great way of getting some press mentions, uh, get some really strong backlinks that can help. So that's your kind of quick and dirty tip that you can implement right now and start getting some some backlinks from, from strong publications. Okay, so just to be super clear, Haro was founded by Peter Shankman. It used to be Help a Reporter Out. Maybe it's now just helpareporter.com. And you can go there and there's always, you can get a, I think they have a twice a day newsletter, right? Or now it's a website. And you can be sourced. And in exchange for being sourced, you can ask them to link back to your website, right? Yes, they almost always do. If they want to quote, they're probably going to link back to you. Okay, cool. And then you have another one? Uh, And then the most common is guest posting. Basically what this is, you find relevant websites, relevant blogs, you offer to write a guest post on their site. Now, you know, guest posting has been abused and anything that's been abused is kind of under more scrutiny. So if you're just... You know, if you're guest posting on sites that are irrelevant, that's probably not going to help because the site's not going to be relevant. If you're guest posting on a low quality blog that doesn't really have any editorial control, that's really not going to help either. What you want to do is find like real publications, real blogs in your industry that people are actually reading that write good content, that have good editorial control and build relationships with those bloggers. Tell them why you should be able to write for them, your experience. Maybe if you've written blog posts on your own site, link to them as an example, you know, propose some topics that you think would be good for their blog. And if you really can provide value and you have true ex- experience and expertise, um, a lot of times they're going to say yes to you. So that that could work really well. And it's kind of a, a very, it's not the most scalable, but it's the most consistent way to build backlinks to a site. Well, and I kind of feel compelled to talk about the scholarships example. I think in this example, you were talking about possibly reaching out to universities because they have really high authority. Is that right? Yes. So basically how it works is you create a scholarship, you create a page in your site talking about a scholarship. So and we usually recommend offering 500 to $1,000 for a scholarship. And, and don't worry, it's not 500000 per university. It's just one time 500000 You can promote that one scholarship to hundreds of universities and financial aid websites. So like you said, these universities are very trusted, very high authority. They might not be relevant. But because they have so much authority, that can still send some some good SEO signals back to your site. Okay, Jeff. A lot of people are like, no, don't stop. This has been solid gold. Thank you, first of all, so much for answering all my questions. We could have gone on for another hour. If people want to discover more about you and your company, or if they want to connect with you on the social platforms, do you have a preferred social place that they connect with you? And, and what's your website? Social media. Don't look at my Twitter. It's kind of embarrassing. I think I tweet like once per year. You can go to, you can find me on LinkedIn. Um, I do use that. So just add me. You know, happy to connect with anyone listening. You can visit our website. It's just 180marketing.com slash SME. Yeah, that will that'll take you to our website. You know, again, all the anything on the website goes to me directly. So if you just want to say hi or let me know what you thought of this, more than happy to hear from you guys. 
Jeff Oxford, thank you so much. And folks, I'm going to try a little experiment. I'm going to title this search engine optimization, how to rank number one on Google. Let's see if I can actually optimize this entire article for Google. That would be super exciting. Again, it was 180marketing.com slash SME if you want to check out Jeff's amazing work. Jeff Oxford, thank you again for coming on today. We're so much better because of it. Awesome. Thanks for having me, Mike. Hey, if you missed anything, which I'm guessing you did because there was a lot there, we take all the notes for you over at socialmediaexaminer.com slash 541. If you're new to the show, be sure to follow us. We've got some great stuff coming your way. And if you've been a longtime listener, would you let your friends know about this show? I'm at Stelzner on Instagram and at Mike underscore Stelzner on Twitter. This brings us to the end of yet another episode of the Social Media Marketing Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Stelzner. I'll be back with you next week. I hope you make the best out of your day and may social media continue to change your world. The Social Media Marketing Podcast is a production of Social Media Examiner. If you're like so many fellow marketers and creators and entrepreneurs, you're probably wondering, how do I put AI to work? Well, be sure to listen to the AI Explored Podcast, a new show from Social Media Examiner, hosted by yours truly, Michael Stelzner. Again, check out the AI Explored podcast.